Good evening. <sighs> Why is this recording session different from other recording sessions? Because it shows that despite your being my worst friend, uh, you have <laughs> boundless patience <laughs> for my requests to reschedule, which, uh, which happened, I think, at least twice by my count. Yeah, we're recording on Saturday, which is weird. Uh, uh, sure it's not 7th. Tuesday? I think it might be Tuesday night. Yeah, well. Saturday, November 7th at uh, 9 p.m. Syracuse Standard Time. Yeah, you had to uh, reschedule a couple times, but the thing is, I I was glad to do it. You know why? Because it, it was so weird. You know, we were supposed to, when were we supposed to record? On actual Tuesday, election day? Tuesday election night. Yep, yep, yep. And then you you were kind enough to say, I think, early on, like, hey, you know, maybe we should, which is a very un-Syracusan move. We're like, hey, maybe we should, you know, do that on another night. Why is that an un-Syracusan move? Because one reason, one reason, despite being my, my worst friend, um, you um, you are the one of the most reliable people that I work with. Which makes well it doesn't make up for how terrible you are, but um, you uh, you run like a clock, and I love that about you. I just want to do it whenever it's scheduled. We have to reschedule; it's fine. But here's the thing: I didn't yeah. like. I didn't want to record. Uh, if we did it on Tuesday, I almost would have been fine because it's like, well, whatever. An election day on election night, you know, you're not going to know anything then, probably anyway. And even if we did, maybe it would be like we'd go into the podcast not knowing anything, and then we would come out, we'd know something or whatever. But as time wore on, it was like, okay, well, we'll do it the day after election day or the day after that. It's like, eh, because then we entered this weird limbo zone. I'm like, how can we record a podcast when there's this giant weight hanging over okay. all of our heads when yes. we don't know? Yes. Okay. Well, you're probably going to nix this because I'm sure you have your own plan. I know we have follow-up. We have very good follow-up and we have very good administrative matters. May I recommend, with your permission, can, can we dive into what I assume will be our main topic? Would you allow it? Oh, yeah, sure. Um... So we, you know, we, we said Tuesday night, you know, uh, we want to be at, I, I wanted to be at home. I wanted to be with my kid who's been, um, like the rest of America, really anxious about what's going on. And then when things got dragged out, we got stuck at 2.53 and went on and on. And then we were supposed to record. The rescheduled time was two nights ago, Thursday night. The yeah, fifth. which seems like plenty of time, like two days after plenty election day. Surely time. things will have settled down by then, right? Surely we'll know which way the wind is blowing. It would be crazy. Why? Mm -hmm. How could we possibly not know by then? Um, and uh, and like I say, thank you very much for doing that. I, um, <laughs> um, but you're describing something that this certainly goes for a few podcasts that I'm on. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. Um, what do you say? Like Gruber and I. Uh, we're planning to do, uh, you know, a hopefully happy redux of our, I'm happy to say, um, widely enjoyed 2016 holiday party episode. But we both, without having to say so, kind of were like, well, you know, it, we'll put it in pencil, not just for superstition, but for like, what are we going to talk about? If we had recorded a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, well, and we, we've been on the precipice of something being clearer for days. And it's, it's been real slow. We don't need to rehash all of that. But I mentioned that here because this is part of the problem. This is part of the permanent condition is like, why do we all, maybe not you, but why do so many of us find it so difficult to think about the future right now? Uh, you know, I know it's going to be the future soon, but, but like, what are you going to plan? What, between COVID and the election and all of the things, it's like, what are you going to plan? You're going to plan vacation. You're going to plan Christmas. You're going to plan retirement. You're going to plan all those things based on what? And so, like, there wasn't much sense. So in microcosm, uh, with Gruber in particular, I'll put it in notes, 
There's not a lot of sense in saying, let's talk tonight about the election. Because what, what we would be talking about on the one hand is what we don't know. And then just because, you know, I am an institutionalist, I would prefer a more long live podcast based on what appears to be happening towards the future rather than speculating on something that might be solved before we're done recording. But that is a microcosm. Yeah, like in 2016 when you waited until after the results of the election came in before you gave your opinion on it. And as, as I recall, you said things would be fine, and that turned out to be true. So, I, I, I know you don't listen to podcasts, but I, I have already, on several occasions, including the most recent episode of the talk show, I have, I have said that I was wrong, and I deeply regret ever saying <laughs> we'll be fine. That is what we in the parlance call whistling past the graveyard. But, you know, but that this is, I mean, I see that's a microcosm because that's just within this little period of time. Time has become so difficult to understand and meter. But we've been in this, this long slog of what I've called this combination of like permanent um, anhedonian madness of like, and COVID just made that a thousand times worse. I'll throw to you in a second, but I'm glad, I'm glad we waited a little bit. I'm glad we can visit now. And I'm glad there's fewer days than usual between the uh, elder care episode and the pet episode. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Yeah, it's, it's even more important for our show because it gets released so long after we record it that if exactly. we spent an entire episode in the in the sort of zone where we didn't know anything, yeah, we could fret about how we didn't know anything. But then it's like by the time the episode came out, that would all be moot, and so no one wants to hear us fret about something we didn't know. But we now sound, we know. I mean, we sound simple in the best of circumstances. We sound very simple. If if you didn't know how the the pre-taped Colin show works, which is the uh, oh, here's a thing that Facebook announced they're doing today that you you'll you might remember from a week and a half ago. So I'm I'm glad we waited. I'm glad we can talk about it. And uh I just watched the vice president elect and the president elect uh give some speeches and it's really quite a time right now. I don't know. I'm I'm of of many different minds about mm -hmm. uh the events. Like it seemed like I don't think we all we should get into the my my one subtopic that I threw in there. We talked about this last episode, actually, what our birthing plan was for the yeah. election. So <laughs> right. like going in, what, how did we think we were going to handle it? Because before the election, it was all sorts of possibilities. As, as you noted, everything narrows. Everything in all of our worlds narrows to this giant singularity at the, at the election. And it was like, there's no sense planning past that. It's like an event horizon, right? There's no sense planning past then. Let's just see. How, and so we'll have our birthing plan and like, is that it's, here's the universe of things that could happen and how, you know, it's good to think about things ahead of time, have a plan going in or whatever. And keep calling it the birthing plan because jokingly much like giving birth. Oh, you can have a plan, <laughs> but mm -hmm. your body and the baby often have other plans. Yeah. And... The, the, the least useful birthing plans, apart from the ones that are encouraging you to be very acrimonious toward the people who will deliver your baby. Um, the worst kinds of birthing plans are basically trying to plan a wedding. You know, um, where you have this wish list of items and you want the confetti to fall right as the baby starts to crown and then hold on loosely by 38 special is played over the over the uh, speakers and everybody nods along with you. I mean, because it's not as fun. It's not as magical to spend a lot of time thinking a lot about contingencies. So you were very focused, I think, last time and talking about like, how are we planning to manage things foreseeable and unforeseeable? Yeah, and I think as the uh, the sage Mike Tyson once said, everyone's got a plan until <laughs> they get punched in the nose, right? Was that Mike Tyson? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, pur yeah. purportedly, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll add my grandfather's variant of that saying, I don't think he was aware of Mike Tyson. And when he said this, uh, he was, <laughs> my, my grandfather was a uh, police officer in New York City, 
and he would tell me about all of the uh, various instances of police br- brutality that he partici- participated in. Mm-hmm. And one of his bits of wisdom was, uh, you punch somebody in the nose, they don't want to fight anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I reckon that's true. Um, but um, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, like, like I was saying to my shrink uh, yesterday, it's like, you know, I, I am aware that once everything starts seeming related or connected, like that's, you know, that's when you're like, you know, Charlie in uh, Always Sunny, like, you know, with your yarn on the wall. But, you know, but it's, but again, further into this microcosm, which was that Tuesday night, based on what we knew, uh, you know, it seemed like it could be, it could be great or it could be merely very good. But instead, we're stuck in this permanent state of, well, we don't really know. And that takes me straight back, not simply to the election, but like, what what do I remember from the early days of January 2016, of the early days of the Trump administration? I mean, it started off, the first thing straight out of the box was uh, Sean Spicer coming out and talking about the size of the inaugural crowd. And you're like, okay, okay. so I guess it is going to be exactly like we expected. Um, And then at every turn, whether that's the lawyer showing up at the airport or like, you know, Charlottesville, like every step along the way, you're like, this is, this is all moving so quickly and so terribly. I don't even have time to grieve the losses of, to some extent myself, but really importantly, and I want to talk about this, the, the, to, to grieve the losses of others. There's no time to grieve because there's another thing coming along and you're, you're, you know, always fighting the last outrage in a way that, again, I think makes it difficult to think over much about how you'd like the future to be beyond just, you know, uh, you know, singing the I wish song from a given musical. Yeah. Like the, the invisibility of the future or however you want to, to talk about it. Like I was thinking about that and, and the birthing plan thing where, you know, we, I, I at least tried to go into it with a particular mindset, if not necessarily a, a specific plan. Um, but it seems like, like I didn't, I didn't see this, a few things I didn't see discussed, uh, at least amongst my circle of friends and acquaintances, but that it seems like there was this unwritten or silently agreed upon rule that, that we, at least I wasn't thinking of, which is at what point do we feel relief? Right. And for me, there was there was oh two points. One point was I forget when it was, like Thursday or something, when when uh, Biden finally pulled ahead in Pennsylvania, right? Like you needed, you wanted the relief. It was like with Biden behind in all of the places that he needed, even though everyone was saying like he only needs one of these, and it looks like he's going to get all of them until he was actually ahead in one that put him over the top or whatever. There was that nerve. So you know, Biden ahead in Pennsylvania, and all the remaining votes are going to be heavily Biden. That was the sort of intellectual end as far as i was concerned and i stole a tweet from letterboxd uh to put it in at that point because that was i don't want to spoil the tweet but it was was a spoiler for a show i think everyone should watch uh the queen's gambit on netflix watch it don't look at my tweet it's a really good show anyway um but but that was just me right it seems like the world agreed (laughs) just in passing i have been really craving some green vitamins this whole week (laughs) Mm -hmm, yeah isn't it amazing how they look the same over a million you know over all the years and in different countries over like 20 20 years later and this tranquilizers exactly you know that's 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 movie magic tv magic anyway um what really everyone was apparently waiting for was for the press to call it which has no official anything it is just ne- sort never of has, American tradition mm-hmm. that when a news network 
you know, their news organization decides that given the evidence that we have, we are fairly certain this is the way things are going to go. They call it. And for all of our lives, that's been the way things have happened. That yeah. has no power other than tradition, right? That is a norm, essentially. The norm is when the big news networks, and what are big news networks? Go back in time, learn about TV over the airways and the FCC, whatever. But when it's called by the big news networks, that is when we apparently as Americans are conditioned to both salivate and accept that, you know, we can now we can now celebrate. Right. So I didn't see a lot of celebration when Pennsylvania pulled out, except for like people being glad in various, you know, slacks and text message threads and stuff like that. But as soon as the press called it, which as far as everyone was concerned and most of the circles was like, why is the press taking so long to call it? I guess they want to be super careful and super cautious, which I kind of understand. Then they all seem to sort of coordinate with each other and say, okay, we're all going to call it at the same time. So none of us goes first and looks like a dummy. Right. And they call it. And when they called it, then it became celebrations in the streets, which is another thing that was not on my plan. And I don't know if anybody had it on their plans, but it's a thing that happened, which is we were apparently all waiting for the press, however you define that, to call it. And then we apparently all agreed out in the streets and party, which I think is fascinating because all of my thought processes were going to a much darker place in terms of planning. I think yours too about like what's going to yeah. happen. Militias are going to show up with guns and shoot people counting votes. And, you know, yeah, my, my wife is still ready to riot in the streets if anything goes wrong. I'm like, you can't. We have such thin bones. We're not, <laughs> we're not rioters by nature. Yeah, but there's, there's, you, you there's got that, you've got that earthquake bucket though. You're all set. <laughs> you poop in it. Um, mm -hmm. no, you're you're absolutely right, though. I mean, there's like a uh, somebody who's um, as old as me knows that there's a whole bunch of traditions that can seem corny when you're younger, but then actually, as is typical of old people, as you get older, you're like you find it you find it comforting. So there's stuff like, and I'm not going to get all these right, but off the dome, um, the people who. I think with particularly with, I want to say supporting actor and actress, the person who won that Oscar last year usually presents it the next year. And I think usually there's a cross thing. I think it's a thing where like the uh, supporting actor gives it to the new supporting actress, et cetera, uh, and vice versa, something like that. There's, but like, there's a certain kind of continuity through things like that. Uh, when I was a younger person and the late great Helen Thomas was still alive, every press conference, which didn't used to be the way they are and have been the last four years. It was always Helen Thomas. Helen Thomas, who was considered the dean of White House journalists, always asked the first question at a press conference. Helen Thomas got a special seat. Now, is that important to like keeping democracy going? Maybe not. Think about how every family does Christmas. My father's, my late father's boss, probably apropos of nothing, a very staunchly Roman Catholic family, um, they, I've told you this, they would drive themselves crazy because as soon as the kids went to bed on December 24th, mom and dad not only put out all the presents, but put up like and trimmed the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve, which I can't imagine bringing that madness on myself. It was a and bad plan. It is a bad plan, John, but like in that family, that's what they do. And that's critically important. And well, you know, whether you, 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 we choose part of the beauty of living in the first world uh, and having the privileges uh, apported thereunto is that you get to decide what's important for you and the people around you. And so you can create a dumb tradition, but it's your dumb tradition. So there's there's all those sorts of things. And now we could throw in the barrel all of those things related to, well, usually you, you uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, you know, people have been uh, doing concession speeches for the entire, I don't think that's true. I think that's a mostly 
maybe early 20th century tradition of formally doing a concession speech. And then you invite them to the White House and you do all the things. And as with the Oscars and as with, you know, uh, Mr. Johnson's uh, Christmas tree <laughs> title, you, um, you choose to do that because that is what helps people understand the seasons of this culture and, and of this life. So there's all those kinds of things. Now, what do we got this year? And I want to but there's so much I want to talk about here. I, I don't want to go all night, but you know, th- there's another thing here where it's like, what's different this year? Well, how is this year different from other years? Well, what way is it not different? And it's something I ended up talking about with Gruber. I think one reason people are so confused in this time of COVID is that all of these different elections are managed at a much more regional basis than most lay people realize. Sometimes that's all the way down to like a district, like county level. But states are largely the ones in charge of how the election is going to be conducted, right? And so it's so confusing to people because you're right. Previously, you would say, oh, and by the way, one more thing. Uh, I believe it is a nearly officially, but not officially, because that's how traditions work. It is the AP that makes the call. Like once, it's one thing for NBC to say it, but if the AP said it, you know, if the AP calls it for a candidate, that's the maso menos, you know, official version. And it's not the same as Dave Wasserman, the wonderful Dave Wasserman saying, I've seen enough, this person's going to win. That's a very informal Twitter thing that's, that's, that's fun. But this year, this election, this cycle, so many things are different. And one of the things that I think drove people bananas is like, unless you are as extremely online and extremely MSNBC as I've been, you wouldn't know that the different states get my back on this. Different states have different ways you are permitted to vote. How they accumulate those votes and the order in which the results of that count are announced differs from state to state. So like one state, like it could be that they announce the day of voting first. So you got day of voting, you've got early voting, you've got absentee or mail-in voting, you've got all the different kinds of voting and how and when they choose to, God, this is so fractal. Like when you finish that count and then can announce it, it varies from place to place. And I think that's one reason why people like, you know, uh, the current president are so confused. How could I be up by 600,000 and then be down to a thousand? Well, that's because those early votes really benefited you. And then there's other stuff that came along, not illegal, not late, not day after election. You know, uh, elections are not certified for weeks. None of that stuff is official. The AP is not official. Dave Wasserman is not official. It's, it's just that, you know, we know which way the wind is blowing. And then sometimes Steve Kornacki can say there's this much uh, additional available, you know, ballots out there. But that's, this has been a uniquely difficult year to even honor any of those sorts of traditions. So of course the AP is not going to do that. They're not going to be the ones, you know, to sort of announce that. And also just because, as with all things the last four years, the risks of getting that wrong are huge. It's not fun to talk about. But like if you have, if Fox calls uh, Arizona or Nevada and then they have to like withdraw that, oh man, they're going to be on blast. So there's, there's chaos inside of the chaos. You know, chaos is a ladder inside of a ladder. And this, this has made it worse than ever. So how could you be stuck at 253 for two, three, four days? Well, that's kind of where we are, you know? And so, you know, I, I am with you though. There has been very little, and I'll talk about this if you, if you would allow it in a second, but I have had, I'm, I've only got just a little bit of relief right now. And Sometimes it takes a Doctor Who episode to make me cry, and sometimes it takes Norman Lear to make me cry. 
But like, I, I'm still, I'm going to, I can't even tell you just to be real personal and honest about it. I can't even tell you how long it's going to take me to unclench. Yeah. I, I just thought it was kind of poetic that, uh, I mean, I've always known this has been true. Like, so, you know, Trump's big thing is, oh, he breaks norms. Like if it's, if it's not an actual, you know, why hasn't anyone done this before? It's like, well, it's just not <laughs> Whether done. Whether or not it is an actual official law, right? Right. Even, and even like if the laws like, are going to okay, get on. Well, if it's a law, how is it enforced? Oh, I enforce it? Okay, well, then that's fine. You know, like, so that's famous for that. But he's also, you know, from from day zero, such a creature of, you know, the society that he lives in. He craves approval from everybody. He wants to hang out with famous people. He wants people to flatter him. Like, he is de- he is dependent on society society and societal norms he wants to break them himself but he he wants to right. you know it's the whole like anyway. well, it's a little bit of a little bit of a jay gatsby problem where he it's so important to him to be um welcomed into an informal system without rules that has no interest in bringing him into that so like he's he's always he's always pursuing every perceived slight of the people who have been making fun of him behind his back and sometimes in front of it for decades and, you know, to give an example, he's always talking about TV ratings, right? Because he had a TV show once and he figured out ratings are how you judge TV shows. And probably even before right. a TV show, he's into that, right? So the television rating system, um, if there were an easy way for him to cheat the television rating system to make it seem like his show had way more ratings, he would do it. But the bottom line is he needs to be able to say my show had the best ratings. The rating system itself has to exist. It doesn't mean he honors it and will abide by it. If he could rig it, he would. But he needs those ratings to exist because that's a sort of a societal norm that television shows popularities are judged by ratings. And if you can brag that your show has good ratings, people understand that because it's a thing that's in our culture. Right. And so when the election's coming down here and he's just off, you know, whatever vaguely intelligent people he has on staff had already told him, like, it's not looking good for you or whatever. Right. And he's already, you know, I. People who work for him, let's say, I don't know how much awareness he has of anything. People who work for him, let's say, and the Republicans are very clear that like, look, in these states like Pennsylvania, let's make sure that we stop them from passing any laws that allow them to start counting the mail-in ballots early, right? Because right. if we do that- they, 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 They've had that stuff. I mean, in the cases of some places, like I think in particular, I want to say Pennsylvania, like all, like so much mail-in balloting, balloting is, is a new thing. There are other states that are more used to that. But no, you're, you're totally right. He's- he he wants to he wants to benefit from the reflected um how do you put it he want he wants to benefit from the uh, so he wants to be beloved and so if that means cooking the books on who the most popular boy at warden is he's going to do that even though it is very much if you think about it this is the irony it is the informality of that kind of a dumb system that makes people be the most popular person or the this and that person. So he's willing to cook the books on anything and doesn't really seem to care how fake it seems just because to the point where, like you just described, he uses ratings, not just to mean TV ratings. Sure. He also takes that to mean polls and approval and he also just takes that to mean, I think, the kinds of positive tweets that people print out and bring him each morning, <laughs> which he then scribbles on with Sharpie and sends to people like it's something suitable for framing. Because, But the informality of everybody agreeing, hey, this is the cool guy, is something he craves so much that he's, he's willing to flout all of the otherwise important parts of honoring the informal nature of that. 
Yeah, so with the with all the counts and like them, you know, Republicans knowing that the most of the mail-in ballots are going to lean heavily towards Biden and let's not let them count those. So it'll look like Trump's way out ahead. We all knew this ahead of time going in. Um, but as we were saying before, like, you know, he, here he is in this system where, you know, he's going to do whatever he wants and he craves the approval of winning the election, essentially. Um, and he got it last time when he didn't expect to get it. So, you know, was not prepared for it anyway. But now now he. He wants it because if he doesn't get it, he's a loser, so on and so forth. Um, and what ends up happening is, you know, things are going to plan as in, yeah, we made sure there were not that those states weren't allowed to count their mail-in ballots until after they counted the in-person ones. So we can we can look like we're ahead on election day and then we can just hammer that. I'm winning. I'm ahead. Any result other than me winning is fraud. You know, all, all nine yards. Right. Even though we all knew collectively that, you know, it's gonna, you got to count the mail-in ones. And we and some of us knew if you're, as you said, extremely online or whatever, the real line is that the reason why we don't know is, you know, because the Republicans stopped these, you know, states from counting early, whatever. And you just got to count them up, blah, blah, blah. Then what ends up happening is, all right, so they're counting. Biden ends up going ahead. Uh, like I said, once once he pulled ahead in Pennsylvania and it was clear that all the remaining ballots were going to be in his favor, I was like, mm -hmm. yes, this is over. No one else, you know, other than, you know, nerdy circles was like, there was no celebrations in the street, right? But I felt one level of relief at that point. And then the next level of relief was what you just talked about. The media calls it. And then people are partying in the streets. And this is where Trump was hoisted on his own petard because he loves to be the norm breaker. He loves to be able to do whatever he wants. You know, you can't stop me. But he is also a creature of the those norms and the society that he works within. And so when we all collectively as a people agree that now the election is over, even though it's not, states aren't going to certify the results for weeks, right? Like yeah, it's not right. actually officially over. This means actually nothing. It is simply a norm. And in this case, no matter what he wants to do with that norm, all of us agree this is the norm. We put the Christmas tree up on Christmas Eve. We all <laughs> agree on that, whether we talked about it ahead of time or not, we all do. And so the power of that norm is crushing him because now it's like, I mean, he can be a norm breaker within his own little, like, I'm the president and this is weird things the presidents do. But the whole country, all the media, every single network is like, election is over, barring any lawsuit shenanigans, blah, blah, blah. And the crushing weight of that norm applied by everybody else on top of him is beautiful, poetic justice. Because this is not a norm that he's under control of. Norms that he's under the control of, like, the president normally does X. Now that you're the president, you can do Y. That's totally under your control. But we as a country have decided for weird historical reasons or whatever, then like you said, when the AP calls it, that's it, right? And because they were so super cautious this year, it's like, well, they waited so long. Surely they didn't get it wrong. It's not like they rushed to judgment about it. We were all dying while we were waiting, but now they've called it and it's over. And the the weight of that norm, the weight of that tradition, yeah. you can see slowly crushing him and his entire organization to the point where eventually he's going to you know, sheepishly walk out of that White House on January 20th or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, and he's not being crushed by a law and he's not being crushed by like, you know, force or, or, uh, you know, anything like that. It, he's, <laughs> he would, he would love for it to, you know, just send this to the Supreme court or whatever that means. Right. He's being mm -hmm. crushed by, by <laughs> essentially. That's not, not how it works. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to think that Bill Barr is your personal attorney. It's another thing to so fundamentally misunderstand the purpose of the Supreme I mean, yeah, court in adjudicating. He, he yeah, no, I know. I know. He understands so little. It's so, but, but like, like he's ends up being crushed by essentially the fact that we all watch Rudolph before Christmas or like the, he's, he, the, the Charlie Brown, you know, great pumpkin episode is always on like some tradition like that from our childhood. That's like, what's the point of this tradition? It's like, I don't know. It's just something 
it's just something that always happens. We watched a great pumpkin episode. I don't I don't know why it's, it doesn't really make any sense, but it's a thing that we all do, right? And so well, like like now, there's all there's, there's so many things like that like Chinese food on Christmas Eve that's not mm-hmm. just a a Jewish family thing. Although going, it's going to the movies on Christmas, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's all there's all that kind of stuff, and he. He loves to bask in the glow of that kind of thing. He does what he needs to 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 rewire that. But like, it's also, I, I mean, I, I it's so. There's this other thing, and I'm sorry to be all over the place. There's this other thing of like, like I don't even. You've probably never seen that movie that I talk about a lot. But there's a doc, documentary-ish film called um, Hypernormalization. That's it's basically about the sort of environment created in some place like Russia or Syria where it's very difficult to know what's real anymore and where everything can be believable. And it's a harrowing movie that I sometimes, it's the ultimate bruise that I need to push sometimes is to watch hypernormalization. And it, even when you're watching the movie, it's one of those things like me looking at my at the weirdos on Twitter who think that, you know, people are attacking their feet with beams. I can't look at it too much or I start to feel like I'm, you know, staring into the mouth of madness. But but like I, I doubt myself all the time, John. I've been doubting myself all the time for four years. Not that I've ever been that self-confident. I may be arrogant, but I'm not self-confident, and that's a terrible cocktail. But it's like I, I, I honestly don't know because when we say stuff like "oh, that's illegal" or "that's this" or "that's that" or "that's unconventional," that's all of these things. You know, uh, all throughout watching um, Veronica Mars, it became a bit in our house every episode where Veronica would bug somebody, and and Emma would say, uh, yeah, "That's illegal." And I say, yep, another federal crime for Veronica Mars. And, uh, it, but it's like, if, okay, it's only illegal, really. It's only enforceably illegal if somebody does something about it. If you get away with that, if you get away with saying Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer has never existed and you must put up your tree in April and like you somehow can find, find somebody who will adjudicate that in your favor. And let's be honest, you are, uh, the, the folks who are in a position to say that's not okay back down out of some kind of lack of political will. Well, guess what? Now it's legal. It, it might as well be legal. It's It only matters that, that it's illegal or that it's unconventional if somebody holds your feet to the fire for, for breaking that law or norm. And that's so far not a thing he's had to deal with a lot. So yeah, yeah, last three, four, five days. Like I'm, I'm, I've been on tenterhooks the whole time knowing that who knows what's going to happen. We're not done. I mean, I, w- I would love for this to be a slightly positive, happy episode, apart from venting our anxieties, but we're going to have to return to like what happens in the next 76 days, because it's my feeling that Jared's going to be on the front lawn, basically, you know, selling, selling portraits and busts and <laughs> gifts from foreign dignitaries. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly, I mean, I, that's not, you know, I, I know that's all out there, like, but I feel like the, the levels of relief is like, Pulse have had in Pennsylvania. Uh, way above that is media calls it a celebration in the street and then eventually like the official right official sign off which will make everyone feel better but i feel like the the collective the, the collective collective psychic energy of this entire country essentially accepting this reality that biden won the election the longer that exists the heavier mm-hmm. that weight is and the harder yes. it is for anything possibly to overcome it to the point where i feel like if that exists for a long time and they go through these a bunch of BS, you know, legal cases and end up getting a bunch of corrupt judges to say yes to them or whatever. Um, that at that point, if the reality of Biden's victory has been sitting with the United States for a long enough period of time. Yeah, I think that ju- there'll be, you know, there'll be a you know, general strike, which is not a thing that we really have in this country in, in my recollection. But like 
you, there's there's almost no stopping it, which is terrifying because if you think about essentially the power of this norm, that if if most of the country basically agrees that a thing is a thing, that there's almost nothing that you can do about it. Essentially, the power of the people unbridled, right? If most of the country agrees that Biden won and they think that for a couple of months, if someone suddenly comes comes and says, actually, no, uh, they didn't win. Like we like it's not that they think they won, like that we as a country have accepted it because we have this norm that when everybody calls it, we all agree. Like you'll you just watch the dissenters fall, even on Fox News and everything. Like, well, I guess maybe, you know, but and, I, and the, just the days go on. And it's not like, oh, I think he might have won. It's like, oh, it was on the front page of the New York Times. Like, isn't that right. isn't that official? Like, as far as our society's concerned, it's like, yeah, he won. He didn't actually win yet because states have started. But we all agree that he won. If we agree that for a month and then some court case comes and says, actually, no, uh, you know, you didn't win or something. That's not going to fly, not because of any law, but just because of the sort of, you know, the, this terrifying collective will of the people, right? If, mm-hmm. on the other hand, the collective will of the people had been that, like, Trump is president for life, and we all agree that that's reality, that would be very bad. But that's that's the nature of these things. Like, there, there's laws, there's enforcement, and then there's just things that people believe to be the case. And there's so many more of us than there are of you know, it's, it's the whole. <laughs> then, there, then there are of him. No, <laughs> there are of just like the government. We, you know, we we are self-governing. We govern right. ourselves with a tiny slice of our population, essentially being in charge of, uh, you know, corralling everybody else. And we, you know, and those people are elected by the rest of us. Like this whole system is very tenuous, right? In the mm-hmm. end, as yeah. you know, as many you know French monarchs learned, the giant mob of people who live in your country, in the end, essentially have all of the power. Right. If, if only the power <laughs> yeah, to just destroy yeah, yeah. everything. Every every monarch has a has a plan until they get punched in the nose. <laughs> yeah, because like <laughs> there are way more of them than there are of you. And you just hope they don't figure yeah, that some, out. Sometimes sometimes the dam breaks and and that's and that's the 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 sort of the new reality. But, you know, once again, here's how like Stockholm. It's so funny because like like I was just saying a minute ago to um, to Madeline, we we're watching, especially, you know, Kamala I, and I'm. Kamala, who is referred to by my daughter as the cop. Um, like she would not be my first pick for a lot of things. I've, Where did she uh, get radicalized? Oh, you have no idea. Um, but <laughs> like too. even Grandpa Uncle Joe, maybe not my first pick. And yet, oh my God, his, his basic decency and fondness for the word folks. Like I, you asked me six months ago, I don't know. But like I, I, I've come around. Uh, again, we'll save it for another episode. But um, it's, it's, it's just that like, and I, I feel like maybe we should move toward this. Uh, there's so there's so many things I dare not uh, think or dream. It's it's very hyper normalization, and but the idea of a woman whose mother is from India, whose father is African American, um, who's married to a Jewish man named Doug, you've got then you, that's the that's the vice president elect, and then you've got the president elect whose wife is, uh, yeah, she's a PhD, but she's still a doctor, but who's from Italy? The, the, all this stuff is going to be happening. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, the line about how history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. It's, it's, it is somewhat reminiscent of the Obama era in some ways. We were like, wait a minute. Like, it wasn't, a, John, it wasn't until the election on Tuesday had passed that I really finally let myself realize, shamefully, my God, Think about, oh, I, I, I can't think about it. I can't think about it. I can't think about it. Think about what could happen. Think about what, think about the fact that like a, a woman, so, you know, a woman from California with that background, a blended family, all that stuff, 
could be at the Naval Observatory starting in January. Like that's, that's a pretty wild idea. But I swear to God, John, it wasn't until literally tonight watching her speak and then watching him speak that it really, that I unclenched enough to go, oh my God, it does not have to be this way forever. It's like, uh, you know, in the words of uh, Theodore Herzl, if you will it, it is no dream. According to, I want to say, Matthew Weiser at the Washington Post, he's already, he's, he's teeing up a bunch of stuff. And I don't love everything he's got teed up, uh, uh, Mr. Biden. But one of the things he has teed up is he's got some really, really bad centrist people that he's considering for the cabinet. Fine, let's leave that aside for a minute. But he's got a raft of executive orders teed up to like in an afternoon undo so much of the awfulness of the last few years. Now, I mean, it's not going to happen in one day. I'm not stupid. But like the idea that we could get somebody in there who I believe in my heart, as much as I think he's a little goofy sometimes, and I think he's, you know, a, a pretty typical, you know, uh, as they say, retail politician. But the fact that he could undo a lot of the EO-based stuff that's happened in the last few years to make people from different countries not feel unwelcome here, to like, to just undo so much of the ad hoc you know, a uh, temporary un, uh, unapproved uh, person in this assistant position nonsense the last few years, it finally started occurring to me that this could, this could actually happen. That it doesn't have to be this way forever. And it's a little bit, I was saying to my wife tonight, it's a little bit like the time we were um, 12, 11, 12 years ago vacationing with another family in Hawaii and our, our, the house that we were renting got broken into, we're pretty sure by the people who ran the resort. And they stole all of our stuff. And they stole my Crocs, which is weird. But I lost my laptop. I lost my Canon. I lost all those things. This is how I ended up having to use Android for a few days as I tried to find our stuff on eBay. Um, but if you've ever been in a situation like that where you're like kind of stuck somewhere and you've experienced a loss and you feel so unmoored, from any kind of safety. Long story short, we ended up, when we left, we went to a Marriott um, in another city in Hawaii. And we were the most broken, Patty Hearst human beings you've ever met in your life. We were like, you, you will welcome us here to, to your hotel and bring the foods to our room without stealing our rubber shoes? And it was like, it was so sad. It only took like four, four or five days of being in this, this unmoored environment to make us go like, oh my God, please, you're so nice to let me out of the closet. And that's ah, kind of how I feel tonight. I'm still not ready to, I'm not ready to go full on day of the doctor sobbing about this, but it does feel more like it doesn't have to be horrible forever. And like, t you know, like they say, you know, on Ted Lasso, it's the hope that kills you. But I, I have a little bit of hope tonight. Am I an idiot for having that? This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Friends, make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Whatever it is you want to do. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog. You know, if, if, if you will it, it is no dream. If it's a thing you want to get on the global internet, you got to get the Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform, lets you do whatever you got to do. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades are needed. 
You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. And let me just say in passing, they didn't tell me to say this, but it has not always been that way. It used to be you had a lot of things to install, but patches to worry about. Upgrades were needed. Not with Squarespace. They're, they're so good at this. Ugh, they'll take such good care of you. Squarespace has award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And remember, all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I'm a big fan. I got a bunch of stuff on Squarespace, including the Roderick on the Line podcast, which has always been hosted exclusively on uh, Squarespace. And uh, I'm very grateful to them. And, you know, I think you should join me in the Squarespace, uh, I don't know, community, uh, army, because the plans start at just $12 per month, which is hardly any money. But you right now, a listener to this show, can start a trial with no credit card required. All you have to do is go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. When you decide to sign up, when you're ready to go live with your beautiful new Squarespace site, just use the offer code diffs, D-I-F-F-S. And that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain, and it will show your support for John Craig Syracuse. And I, I guess me, but you know, I know you're here for him. It's fine. Flying monkeys, whatever. The point is, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs. Why do you not already have the Squarespace? You go to squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs, 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. That gets to my second and only other full point I had on this. Uh, on Roderick on the Line, at one point, you two started discussing this. I don't know if it's a music reference that I don't get. I just know it is a Roderick on the Line reference. Uh, the Shape of the Year. Yeah. John Roderick said something and that uh, it really landed heavily on me because it's, you know, one of those things where somebody puts a name to something you didn't or put, puts up a, a model on something you didn't realize you thought. Yeah, John feels like the a calendar year has a shape to it. And various uh, kind listeners have drawn what John's shape of a year looks like. I have a similar thing with days of the week. There's the valence of the days of the week, but my weeks go right to left for reasons I can't explain. And I have an idea, a mental model about why that is. It's not a song. That's a pure uh, Roderick confection. Yeah, I thought, I thought it could have been an album title or song title or something that was a double reference. But Should be. That'd anyway. be a good Mountain Goats record. Yeah. Well, I was uh, putting the days to bed. That was That's uh, Long Winters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's, no, no, it's yeah, not no, quite the yeah. same mm-hmm. as the shape of the year, but it's got days in it and he's putting them to bed. So mm-hmm. there's anyway. Um, and there's probably somehow called shape of the year somewhere. But uh, the reason I'm thinking of it is my my personal variant of that um, r- related to the topic you were just talking about in terms of unclenching and being able to have a little bit of hope about this and realizing the, the consequences uh, of the election, but then also being cautious. Uh, and I'm, I've journalized it a bit to the shape of time because it's not so much the shape of the year. It's just this this is a connected to another topic that I think we will both have the same answer to, but maybe hmm. it's not the same for everybody. Which is like, if you had to name the, how do I phrase this without making a leading question? Um, what uh, emotion uh, is most prominent in driving your decision making and actions from day to day? Um, like a, a personal emotion that one carries like, like an emotion not a, not a, not a, like a thought because if we say like a rational thing it's like oh well you know i've got this i've got that i got this but what emotion is the most prominent in the stew of emotions i don't know if it's an emotion but like as john roderick would happily tell you i'm an anxious and fearful person in terms of an emotion uh it depends on what you call an emotion what, what, what what's the uh what's the answer 
I mean, you just said it. My answer is the same as yours: anxiety oh. and fear. Oh I know, yeah, I, I don't know I, if those are emotions, but the but, yo, well, God, I mean, yes. I was, that's why I was yes. trying not to be a, have be a leading question, but you got right. You got right. To oh me. no, no, no. There's no question about it. It's it's it's. I, I will I will always lean toward uh, whatever protects the perceived keloids of previous injuries for sure. Yeah, and so that I mean, and it's again, it's one of those things. Maybe it's like a secret weird things people do thing. Like it, at various points, you can find yourself thinking. But that's what what it's like for everybody, right? Like, aren't they also like? I'll describe how it is for me, and you can see if it sounds similar. But like, I, I, I this is this is how I've always I've always operated, and very very often I can find myself thinking that this is hundred percent perfectly normal, and then occasionally I say, "But wait a second, is it?" Because you just have yourself to compare it to, and it, it could be something that's in like the DSM five or whatever, and you have no idea. Um, so the shape of time for me, and I think I've talked about this in the show before, is it, it's like out you know here i am on the timeline and then between there's there's some space between me and the next major sort of boulder milestone thing that is a high degree that induces a high degree of fear and or anxiety right okay and so whatever that is you know uh like election day you're talking about <laughs> cyclical like cyclical no things? no like like no not cyclical linear right so there's election day coming up right mm-hmm. and then you know, or let's think of something else. Like, think, uh, yeah, big presentation. Give, me, a, give me an example from the before times. All right. Well, so you got, I got a big presentation at work. You know, it's a big presentation in front of all your superiors. The, the future of your project depends on it, blah, blah, blah. That is like, you know, here's where I am on the timeline now. And then like three or four or five or six or whatever days from now, that is the nearest upcoming fear slash anxiety boulder, right? So the day comes like t- top of the stack. Yep, the day comes, you, you know, you're going along the timeline, getting closer and closer and closer. You get to that boulder, and while you're getting closer to it, you're like, oh my God, I got the presentation. You're doing preparation for it. You're doing everything yeah, you and can. You, you, feel, of, you feel the quickening of that. Yeah, to mitigate, you get closer and closer. The day comes, you do the thing, you do the presentation. Let's say it goes well, right? Got that over with. The second you come out of that presentation, you look to your right on the timeline, there's the next boulder. Whatever the next boulder oh, is, the God, next boulder yes. is, let's say you have a dentist appointment. Oh, I'm dreading going to the dentist because I'm afraid I'm going to have this and it's going to be painful. Well, and to follow my analogy, the next card in the stack, like all you did was get rid of the top of mind anxious item, but there's always going to be an innumerable number more underneath. Right. And that's and that for me is the shape of time. I'm, I'm thinking of it as a line with lumps in it. And all you can kind of see <laughs> is the lump that's in, the lump that's in front of you, like a snake yep. that ate a boulder. And you get yeah. past that. And little did you know, because all you could see was that lump. If you're on the line, if you're on the sort of going along the rope, you just see the big boulder that's right in front of you. But once you get past it, you know what's past it? Another boulder. And it doesn't like once you get past one boulder, say one boulder is like the big presentation or your company's getting acquired or some big thing. And the one after it is um, a dentist appointment. And like those aren't comparable. <laughs> like one is like the future of your business and this big right. important thing in your whole career. And the next is like, oh, someone might put metal things in my teeth and it kind of hurts my gums a little bit, right? But these the sort of the shape of time for me is it like no matter what hurdle you overcome, the next boulder always seems just as big as anyone that you've previously passed, no matter what it is, and that and that there is almost no point where you clear a boulder and look out along the timeline. And it's smooth sailing from that point on because your mind just skips mm-hmm. over everything and says, what's the next boulder? What's the next boulder? What's and they do come in different sizes, but like they're, you know, and so you just talked about a whole bunch of them. Oh, well, 
The media has called it, but it's not official. Oh, well, it's official, but whatever. Oh, well, he's sworn in, but then he could put centrists in those positions. Oh, he put centrists in those positions, but what if we don't have control of the Senate? Oh, if we don't have control... And, like, that's just talking about government crap. That's not even talking about personal stuff or whatever. And I was thinking about that with the with the election and with everything else going... Like, what I we, we just went to... Uh, the whole family went to the eye doctor today. We do these family visits to dangerous... COVID dangerous places. Because we figure we're all going to get we're all going to infect each other anyway, because we all live in the same house. So we minimize our chance of getting infected at a place if we all go on the same day. Because either the, either <laughs> For some the, reason, I'm thinking of like the, the moment in Act 3 of Dog Day Afternoon where um, so Casal and Pacino, like they make everybody's like get in a circle with the hostages <laughs> facing out as they shuffle toward where the helicopter is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> like okay all right let's get in here if we're gonna get sick we'll be sick together right we're gonna like we'll, we'll do this yeah i mean well it's it, mathematically it's just it's you know so look if, no you're 100 so right the, the yeah. eye doctor was infectious on on tuesday but uh, but not on wednesday if you have each person go on a separate day each one of those is a new roll of the dice or whatever you're gonna get your whole house this is the problem with your wife working this is why should we she, she should only be a homemaker at home she mm-hmm, goes out every yeah. day and, and she's she's your uh vector takeout program right yeah anyway um, that was uh, that was a that was a mini anxiety boulder, and it's like you know the the, you know, the relief I felt about oh you know the the you know it's called for Joe Biden. New York Times says Biden beats Trump, and then you get over that and it's like I doctor, and then you get over that one it's like it's like there's an infinite line of those things, and that's it. Sound it may sound like oh you have some sort of anxiety disorder. I'm just describing how my life operates. It's not debilitating. You def- you it's definitely just, have an anxiety disorder. It's just, just the shape of time. Right, shape right? of time or the shape of attention? It's the shape of time because okay. it's not that I spent. Here's the thing: like here's the, here's the corollary, and it's why I had a qualifier before. This is the reason I'm so good at vacation. When I go on vacation, mm-hmm. it is a blank spot in the line in which, like, there are you know, you could say like uh, I'm not driven by anxiety fear. I'm driven by joy. I'm always looking for the thing that's going to give me the most joy the next thing. Some people may operate that way, yeah. right? L- live, uh, live, laugh, love. Yeah. Right. So I do have things in the line that I look forward to the, the reverse of boulders, which is like, hey, I'm looking forward to my PlayStation 5 coming on the 12th, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which will be exciting. And I am like, but that's not a vacation. But when I look forward for vacations, it's like I'm looking forward to a time where I'm going to enter into the vacation zone and I will not pay any attention to any future boulders it is basically a timeout. you know what i mean you know what you're doing you're doing you're, you're doing a thing that i'm familiar with I, I spend a lot of my time thinking about audio files dealing with audio files you basically in the way that i can open up a file in fission and say split file and then crop like you are doing a an existential split file you're saying that after this point bring all the anxiety you the anxiety that you want like my anxiety from the past and the future I'm setting those aside. I'm going to split this file. And like from the time that I head out to the beach till the time I get back, I will have no problem at all being completely detached from all the things that otherwise make me uh, look for boulders. Yeah. So part of the hour of time and I talked about this before is once I'm over one of those things, once it turns out that my family does arrive home from the supermarket without dying in a car accident, never give it a second thought. It's behind me. It's like, that's it. You know, like you clear that. And then for vacation, it's like, <laughs> you don't like, win exactly those you things, said. you survive them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then, and like you said, and the vacation is you snip it off at the end too. And you're like, I know I'm on vacation for the next week. I am literally not going to think about anything having to do with the outside vacation world and just relax. Right. The week. And, and even in the time between the boulders, it's like, okay, it's the maximum amount. You know, I have, 
a surprising amount of time until the next boulder. And they come in different sizes. They're not all boulders. Sometimes they're pebbles, sometimes they're rocks, right? But whatever it is, whatever anxiety-inducing thing, I mean, that defines the shit. Even things like podcasts. I got a podcast on Wednesday, I got a podcast on Tuesday, you got a podcast, you know, those aren't, you know, anxiety and fear-driven things, but they're a thing that I have to think about ahead of time, right? Right. And so that defines the shape of my week, but the shape of time in general is always, you know, for me, governed by that, where, and the thing is, you know, you could think like, well, the one point that will come where my whole life will be like a vacation. It'll just be smooth sailing from this point on to in the indefinite future, which of course <laughs> is never going to happen. That's not how it works. Yeah, that's not, you know, that's never going to happen, right? But, I don't know. So anyway, the, getting back to the election thing, there are so, there are so many rocks <laughs> and boulders just related to the election oh my that God. are potentially there. Like, how much time have I spent thinking about the runoff stuff in Georgia? Like, I'm already on to the next boulders. Like I've passed those other ones by. Like I'm, I know. Just you, I, I can't. I can't stop. I can't pause to enjoy the victory of Purdue dropping below forty because he's merely at forty nine point nine, right? And mm-hmm. like, 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 without going too far into it, this is what you're describing. Maybe not you, but for me, this is very much what it's like to live with uh, anxiety disorders, which is that like the, there is a kind of permanent anhedonia which is like I, I receive very, or maybe a little bit like OCD, but like I receive where I, I get very little relief from the thing that should cause me huge amounts of relief. Where like if, if we take Ticket as Red, that the thing that's causing me huge amounts of anxiety, okay, let's, let's, let's do an easy one, uh, an easy slash difficult one, which is like uh, you've been having weird health things. You go to the doctor and they say, we're pretty sure we found something that's unusual. And so we want to do some more tests, right? The, the classic, like, let's, let's say what it is. We're worried you might have cancer or similar. And like, but the problem is for somebody who is, whose pipes and wires make it difficult for them to deal with this stuff, finding out you don't have cancer will have about as much, normally about as much long live relief in your life as discovering that your presentation got canceled for a couple of days. There's th- and that is mm-hmm. what makes the anxiety problem. I mean, it's people are always wanting to go on about like a friend, our friend uh, Dan Benjamin. Let's talk about oh, you know, you're in a tribe of 150. You're around the fire. You know, this many people. All these ways that we were supposedly like these atavistic, you know, pure Hobbesian characters. And oh gosh, now everything today is so complicated. Well, but the problem is, however, I got to where I am the anxiety of the I might have cancer is not orders of magnitude higher than the anxiety of like, I, I, I wonder if, I wonder if like this home repair that I'm worried about is going to undo me. Or I worry about like the unknown caller call that I received or whatever it is. I wish I were the sort of person that could go, that'll probably be fine. And I could just let it go at that. But, it, but I'm not like that. And so like, you know, the, the reality of having to live with the stack of cards, each of which represents anxieties known and unknown, like it's, if that's how you're wired, it sucks. Like, but you don't like press a button and make it go away unless you split the file, go on vacation, take some nice photos, you know, at, at the beach. But no, it's, it's, it's endless. I mean, and that, that's why I said before, like, sometimes I think, but of course, this is how everybody operates, because we all have challenges that we face in our lives. And they're all, you know, laid out in front of you. And you once you overcome one, you have the next one to go. And it's just sort of the climb and the, the trudge through life. And in some ways, I kind of believe that in that, like, 
the difference between like what I described and like a pathology, it, it's, it's just, I think it's mostly just one of degree because yes, we're all nervous about things that are upcoming in the future. Sometimes they're good things. Sometimes they're bad things. Uh, and we look forward to them and or dread them. That's true of everybody. No one's super psyched to go to the dentist or whatever, but if that's debilitating and if it, you know, impairs your ability to, you know, feel pleasure in any other part of your life or, you know, just as crushing or whatever, but it's the same thing. It's just degree. It's like mm -hmm. how, how, hmm. how high up is that knob turned and how well, how well can you control the knob or whatever? Right. And so I think, you know, skills that are important. One, I think is one for me anyway, once I get past a thing that it's a hundred percent behind me, I've always had that skill there's always i've never had to struggle with that that just comes natural to me i feel immense relief because it's behind and i don't spare a thought for it i don't like revisit it and dwell on it or whatever because it's like whew, done right mm -hmm. and the ability yeah. to snip it off and go on vacation and then finally the ability to have a huge number of those things in flight at once and more or less manage them because the world of things to be anxious or fearful about especially when you're a parent is like infinite right <laughs> it's literally infinite right even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. And yeah, because if you take even like just a little bit of time to pause on the provenance of your concern, like you pretty soon, if you're like me anyway, you get to some pretty dark futures that are not in evidence. If that's how you're wired, that's just how you do. Yeah. And so like I, I, I tend not to dwell and spiral on all the things. I, I, in some ways, it is a nearsighted thing. I'm just looking at the next boulder. It's like, well, you know, the the sprinkler repair person is coming on Wednesday. So my whole life is that Wednesday until that Wednesday has oh, passed. Then, then my whole life is the Thursday until the Thursday I passed. Then my whole life is Sunday because I don't have anything on Saturday. And then Saturday is a mini vacation where I snip it off and relax. Like, you know, again, when you hear someone describe these type of things of how their inner works, it can sound pathological. And especially if you <laughs> are someone who suffers from an anxiety disorder, as in diagnosed, not just like self-diagnosed on the internet, you're like, oh, well, you don't know it, but you're experiencing the exact same thing as me. I mean, that could be true, but, I, but the, thing, the thing I always come back to is like, okay, but then how does it affect your life? Does it affect your relationship? Does it affect your ability to function? Does it affect your ability to feel joy and whatever? And that's always my yardstick. And as far as I'm concerned, no, it doesn't. This is just how I live my life. Like how- And in some ways it makes you, it makes you good at certain things, even as it makes you- insane about certain things I mean, like, 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 like you no, think... no but like you're a very you are a very so one of the ways in which i think we are very similar is that we would before we find ourselves being thrown into a new situation um just because of our makeup we would prefer to like understand the parameters let's talk about what the rules are for this because, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a puzzle and game guy thing but no but like 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 i, I want to know more what i don't want is surprises that don't let me leverage my disabilities to be something that could be useful to someone. And so like, you know, knowing that I am the sort of person who will think through the implications of a new, something as dumb as a new kitchen table, like uh, that's so dumb. Who would care? You would want to just go, Hey, cool, new table. But like in my case, like, or like my, my, my wife changed the way that she wants to do recycling in the kitchen. And I had to do an offline with her and go like, look, Let's talk about the implications of the new recycling system, which sound sounds dumb, sounds needy, but like the truth is like that makes work for me. This is going to do this. This is going to do that. This is going to like not improve our quality of life. It'll improve our aesthetics for two days. But like there's all those kinds of things where like you hire a project manager who's a nervous wreck because they're going to help you if you're the sort of go-go 
like coked up biz dev guy who thinks everything will turn out fine because everybody takes care of things for you. You want somebody in your circle who's going to be the karma suck. That's somebody who's able to bubble up a POV on how reality operates that you don't have access to. Like treasure that person. Treasure me and my concern about the recycling because I can help you. We'll talk each other off the ledge. I'm going to talk you off all of your Italian car crazy, and you can talk me out of my unnecessary anxiety about the lack of clarity on budget and scope for something you've already committed to on my behalf. Let me at least have a role in helping you with that. Your wife wants to get an Italian car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. His Which name is one? Vito. No. Come like on. What kind of car? No, we're like, we're like basic German car people. Well, you, oh, you, that was just a hypothetical? It's not yeah. A- yeah, hmm. we gotta get it on the show so we can talk no, about. Put this. it, put it in notes. Save it for the show. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by SaneBox. You can learn more about SaneBox right now by visiting SaneBox.com/diffs. You know, you ask a lot of people, "What's the biggest time waster at work?" They're not gonna have to think too hard about it. And the answer is email. You know, not all email is created equal. That's the thing. Some of it's a huge time waster. Uh, some of it is super important, and there's a lot of stuff in between. And that's not always easy to eyeball. Uh, it says here that a recent study found that almost 50% of the time that managers spend tending to their inboxes spent on email that should have never been sent to them or that didn't need an answer. That's not surprising, but it's horrible. I guess that's what we live with. You know, it's like I always say you're playing defense, defensive driving with email, and it can really seriously the worst. But you know, let me give you something to ponder. What if you could just press a magic button and never see those time-wasting emails again? Because that's exactly what SaneBox does. With just a few clicks, SaneBox automatically gets your email under control. It filters out all the messages that don't need your focus. And you don't even have to switch email apps because it works in whichever email client you already use. It also has some pretty nifty features like the Sane Black Hole. Hmm where you can vanquish senders you never want to hear from again, and sane reminders for sending email reminders to your future self. I've, uh, I, I'm, I'm very impressed by this uh, service. I, I've used it in the past. It's, it's great. Um, it, they just make it so easy. The short version is you just drag an email into the correct folder, and it learns from that. There's no, no magic that you have to do. All the magic is provided by Sanebox. Uh, they can just use that. They can have that. That's fine. Um, so what I want you to do, I want you to see how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. That's a pretty good deal. You go to SaneBox.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. You go there today. You go now. And you start your free trial and you're going to get a $25 credit. Come on. Why are you even listening? Go do the thing. You go to SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com slash diffs and go get started today. You know, shape up that, that email inbox. You don't have to live like this, people. Sanebox.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Sanebox for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Yeah, like, as we've talked about many times in the past, like, having kids and having a family, like, the more responsibilities you have, the more, I, I mean, I felt like the more necessarily I must give up some of those things, right? I must surrender mm-hmm the world of things that i can some of those things start to it becomes apparent how selfish some of those things are or or like how you know you end up stack ranking things you're like look if i have to prioritize this now there's 300 things on the list instead of 100 and i'm sorry but these ones fall off the list and so you know i can't 
continue to be anxious about them at all because there are more prominent things. That, that's your cancer diagnosis thing is a great example because that one comes and blots out the sun, right? And then you get past it and all it does is reveal all the things that it was blotting out. Oh, but there it is. There's the sun again, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like for, for four, like, and to that point, for the last four years, we've been able to go, boy, you know, this whole thing's a trash fire and ha ha, LOL, nothing matters. But like, you know, and, and we're going to get to that thing very quickly, setting aside my extreme concerns about violence. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to get to those things, but like it, the stack is still going to be there. And the top card is always going to be the one that like that completely freaks us out. But with that said, there is something, there's an opportunity for, for us messed up people to say like, well, you know, maybe there are some good things that can be different based on what's happening, but I find it very hard to shed. When I was, I don't want to say well-medicated, and I'm not going to say over-medicated, but when I was taken real honest to God speed for my ADD back in the day, I can tell you so many things that were amazing about that. I, I loved waking up in the morning and knowing that in 22 minutes, I would have more clarity and energy than any adult deserves to have. And I knew that there's a thing I heard a million years ago. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard it said that um, when Bruce Lee would teach Jeet Kune Do, one thing he would teach is don't hit the board. Like definitely don't hit in like just a little bit close to the board. Imagine you're punching two inches behind the board. Like know that like you will have this ability to to do, well, you know, uh, the uh, the wonderful John Cleese says the worst time to think about jumping over a precipice is when you're in the middle of jumping over a precipice. I'm telling you, John, when I was super medicated, I I could I could do anything, and nothing stuck to me. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And now today, like I could spend an hour and a half wondering about how I feel about being, you know, having a spider web, you know, touch me when I walk somewhere it, on the wrong day, but. So there's a thousand things I loved about that. I still to this day crave that feeling of knowing it's 5.05 now and by 5.30, I'm going to be a pure beam of light. But there were a lot of downsides to that. So when somebody like me, I know it's not considered politically correct to do this. When, when, when we look at some of these people in the president's circle, I mean, including the president, it's very clear. I'm, it's very obvious to me, not merely that they are on stimulants. In some cases, I feel like I know within a fairly high level of certainty, which kinds of stimulants they're on, what they are mixing that with, that is not a great way to govern. Like whatever has gotten us to where America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, is in front of the Four Seasons Landscaping Center near, between the Dildo store and, uh, and the crematorium, nothing sticks to him. He has no shame. There is no spider web that will mess up his day. He's living in a different world. We, somebody like me and possibly like you, I would be consumed with the amount of shame that I would feel appearing in an alleyway in front of something that's not the Four Seasons Hotel and talking about all the dishonesty in the election. He has no shame. He has, he's utterly unimpeded by that. So like while I miss the kind of medication that would make me walk through every spider web and basically confront anybody I needed to with nothing sticking to me, I loved that but it also kind of screwed up my life a little, a little bit. It made me a little bit miserable sometimes. It made me kind of hard to deal with in the afternoon. So like, you know, but the thing is I, that I'm, I might be a corner case there or an edge case. I don't know, but I think America's like that. We're like, you know, we can drink our way through this or we can like, um, we can, uh, uh, whatever it takes for you to get that feeling of eye of the tiger, it might help you get through it 
But maybe that's not the best way to govern. Maybe that's not the best way to, to make these sorts of decisions. And when you're surrounded by other people who are also, you know, uh, chasing that same dragon, that's not going to be the best opportunity for a thoughtful cabinet. Yeah, speaking of healthy ways to live and, you know, healthy ways to deal with this stuff, the the way, thing I just described, the shape of time frame or whatever, if you just look at it from a slightly different angle, it becomes almost like a self-help book because the other way to think about it in this, you know, this line of time with these bulgers or whatever, uh, rather than rather than viewing them from the perspective of that's the next thing I have to worry about, uh, you start looking at them as to-do items, right? And suddenly you've changed from a fear-driven, you know, raw nerve ending that, you know, short-sighted, fear-driven, raw nerve ending can only see the next big thing coming up in your face. And as soon as you clear it, you immediately see the next one, no matter how far <laughs> right. away it next, is. Next in the stack, first in, first out. You change that to, to now I am an extremely, you know, competent, powerful, productive, skilled accomplisher of work because every day I go and I knock them down go to the grocery store, do the laundry, go to the dentist, do the big meeting, you know, just you knock them down and then you get you get to the finish line, watch the show that I wanted to watch, have the good dessert, wake up in the morning, you know, do, and it's just like you're knocking them down. It's like, it's, it's the same stuff. It's just like, what's the next thing that I have to do well at, prepare for, whatever. Right. But if you view it as accomplishments, we all have those accomplishments. Did you get dressed this morning? Did you eat breakfast? Did you did you take a shower? Did you, mm -hmm. you know, like all the things you do, you have exercise today. Did you take the dog for a walk? Did you go to the big meeting? Did you go to the dentist? Did you get the stuff? Did you, you know, whatever it may be. If you view it as a checklist or a series of accomplishments or a ladder filled with chaos, whatever, whatever works for you, right? <laughs> now, the ladder's not filled with chaos. Chaos actually is it, a ladder. It's a uh, accommodates the chaos, yeah. It's a metaphor, yes. All right, anyway, it, I feel, that's why, again, I come back to, I feel like, okay, well, not everyone's like you, but on the other hand, everyone sort of faces the same types of challenges, which is why, by the way, I would, don't buy any of the mumbo jumbo that Dan does about the people, 150 people around the fire, we're not so different, uh, you and I, person who <laughs> right. lived 10,000 years ago, because, yeah. Anyway, that's, I love when they find the ancient, like, uh, the ancient, like, scrolls or, or carvings into whatever, where someone, like, carved into a limestone tablet a description of their cat and the funny cat things that it does. It's like cat memes on stone tablets, you know? It's like, right. tell me again how different we were. Um, it's, you know, it's all, it's all the same problems that, you know... In, 10,000 years from now, there'll be all the same problems, though. I mean, I, I don't feel like, like, like just in passing, and not, not to put Dan on blast, but, like, I feel like um, the, the, the people constantly reminding us about our tribal background and our, the development of our amygdala based on notional, you know, jungle beasts attacking us, it's like, well, yeah, but I mean, like, that seems important, I guess, but, like, that doesn't feel that much more important to me than the differences in career, life, and outlook of me and my grandfather inside of, you know, a couple, three generations. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I do not find that to be the um, argument ender that a lot of other people do of like, well, you know, we're supposed to be around a campfire and go to bed at 530 and, and get up and have our wife scrape the skin so we get a cool new Flintstone suit. You know how I feel about supposed to be. And evolve and all that other stuff supposed oh, to be. Oh, you love evolution. You're a huge fan. Supposed to be. Who says? Yeah. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Hawthorne. This is a new sponsor for us. Hello, Hawthorne. You can learn more about Hawthorne right now by visiting hawthorne.co. 
whether you're treating yourself or shopping for somebody on your list, you can find the right holiday gift. It's, you know, it's never easy, but, but uh, Hawthorne wants to help you with that. This holiday season, they're going to make gift giving fun and simple because Hawthorne is a premium tailored personal care brand, making it easy for people to feel and smell their best. And, and you know, uh, I know whereof I speak. Uh, you, you go into the Hawthorne.co website, they're on the internet, and, and you take a little quiz, kind of like a little wizard, it asks you some questions, not all of which made total sense to me, but the results have been incredible. Uh, Hawthorne uh, sent me a whole bunch of stuff, and it smells great. Uh, my favorite so far, the bar soap, which my kid has started using, and that's disappearing. Uh, the body wash, amazing shampoo. They have all kinds of stuff. They got deodorant. They got all the things. It's, it's really cool. You should go check it out, take the quiz, and see, see what it comes up with. Uh, Hawthorne is a convenient way to get super high-quality tailored products, and they take the risk out of it by giving you free shipping on your order and returns. So if you don't like their products, they'll retailer them based on your feedback. How cool is that? So right now you go, you can get special offers for the holidays by going to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co to check out their special holiday offers. Uh, you go there now. Please check it out one last time, Hawthorne.co. A uh, wonderful new sponsor. Our thanks to Hawthorne for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I have some I have some scribbled notes here from talking to my shrink actually yesterday, and um, I don't want to you know touch the third rail, but we were talking about various kinds of you know um, uh, things that people deal with, and he was describing the work of this guy. I need to go track this guy down, Car- Carl. Uh, what's his name? Carl um, Friston. I want to say this guy from England. And he's describing like the, and again, I need to, don't, don't check me on this. I'm not a doctor, but I scribbled quickly while we were talking, but basically talking about like, um, people with various kinds of, um, spectrum and non-spectrum things and how it is that somebody might be able to eyeball, immediately eyeball how many toothpicks are on the floor versus being somebody who's able to understand what does and doesn't cost a hundred dollars in a famous movie example. But, you know, and, and I'm way oversimplifying this, of course, but like he's basically, he, Describe this as being a sense of like sensory input versus model input, like the way you process things, that there are certain kinds of people, like my my kid um, had a friend who had that brand of, you know, uh, stuff where like clothes hurt him, like having clothes on hurt him. Like the tag in clothing would drive him crazy. Like you've certainly encountered kids in life who like have to put on headphones because like the basic stimulus of being at a diner would be overwhelming to them. And, and I don't know, I'm just really interested in exploring this more, is this idea of like what we, what we, how much we understand the world through sensory input and how much we're able to grok what that sensory input means for us. We're like an extreme example being like you're dealing with a hallucination. And even if you know it's a hallucination, it may not make you feel great. But then there are other people who lean too, way too heavily on the model part. So like every psychotic in the world like lacks the ability to learn because they're so model based rather than sensory based. And like, I don't know that, that to me is this is something I want to explore more because like, I think in part it explains why some liberal cuck like me could be so scared all the time about the world in which not just what the past is, not just what evolution means, but like, why would I be so antsy about dealing with the world? Like how much am I dealing on sensory? How much am I dealing on model? In my case, how much am I like, you know, um, it's not a thing that's happening. It's a thing that could happen. And really anything could happen. That's, the, that's not a great bellwether for, for how things are going. But like, 
I don't know how a Rudy Giuliani does it. In some ways, I'm very envious of his ability. Or you take a, uh, like a Stephen Miller, who's an, obviously an utter psychopath. Like I, I'm somewhat envious of people who could be so shameless. I would be self-editing at every step of the way instead of thinking about like how I can praise dear leader today. What's the whole, yeah, vacillating between uh, ignorance is bliss as in they're so dumb that they don't, they don't think there's any reason for them to feel shame versus the sort of, uh, we used to call it the movie of the week or whatever on network television, I guess the more modern one would be lifetime movie or whatever, where you see someone who outwardly appears like any of those people you just said, Giuliani, Stephen Miller, or whatever, but then the whole reason for this movie of the week or a lifetime movie is, but behind the scenes, they go home and they really are, you know, mm-hmm. crushed with self-doubt and drinking themselves into a stupor and miserable and med- right. self-medicating, right. right? Because of course they are, because really- <laughs> way, they, way into power exchange and not in a way that you would have guessed. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and it's because <laughs> how, like- How are you going to like, like accommodate and soothe like the part of you that, you know, that needs the most care right now? And and the movie of the week and the Lifetime movie, the, the what they're selling you is that actually this, the protagonist of our story is actually very intelligent and has a deep inner life. And although the public face you see is outwardly terrible and seemingly shameless, really no human can be that shameless, really. So when they go home and they're alone in their little apartment, then of course they're drinking themselves to death because they realize how terrible it is. Mm -hmm. But I I feel like the the less less prominent, we see this less in media, we see it occasionally in media, but less, is that they just happen to live in a world constructed either consciously or unconsciously that supports the idea that that there is nothing for them to be ashamed of and it's not because they're ignorant that other some people think that what they're doing is shameful it's because they've surrounded themselves with enough people that are on that same wavelength that they're in their own self-reinforcing world and until and unless that world really crumbles and it takes a lot because if parts of it crumble you can just you know shore it back up it you know in that way it's very much like a cult right when you're in the cult everything seems fine and normal you're outside looking in, you're like, how could you have ever thought that was normal? Like, that's the whole right, cult experience. Right, right. And it is, I imagine it has to be very similar, you know, in the inner circles of the whole, of Trump world, where when you're in it, like, I don't I don't think Giuliani goes home and cries himself to sleep at night. Uh, nope. I, maybe he comes down from his speed that he's on or whatever, but, but like, I think that his world is self-consistent. I think his model and his sensory input match because his model is, wackadoo right but his sensory input of all the the you know people he keeps around all the sycophants he keeps around him and everything and the world he's constructed for himself and that he doesn't allow to be violated support all that so sensory matches mm-hmm. model and everybody's yeah. happy yeah and this is this is why um this is going to be uh be a controversial pov but this is why i think people like jd vance can be so damaging is that like like i'm i'm not smart but i'm something enough to know that whenever I try to imagine why somebody is the way they are, I am projecting my best idea of why they are the way they are. I mean, in the most kind of blinkered way that we look at these things, we say, to to quote the Renoir film, you know, uh, the terrible thing in life is everyone has their reasons. Like, you know, just because we all agree that people who disagree with us are nuts doesn't mean we agree on any part of why that is. That that's a condi- One is a condition of life, and the other one is like a, a, a deeply complicated model for understanding how we perceive and and do stuff in the world which you know maybe sounds a little hoity-toity but i um uh, i feel like you know there's that idea like when you got uh, two kids and there's uh, one piece of cake left like you know one uh one slices one chooses 
you know, when we spend, when we get too deeply into our bubble, psychologizing people who aren't us, it says way more about us than them, unfortunately. And so like when people like me, when, when, when weak spined, insecure, just slightly above average IQ people like me go like, oh man, what must it be like to be Rudy Giuliani? You know, or me making a crack about how Donald Trump probably goes back and takes the heart plug out of his boy. You know, like, is it like that? I don't know. But the, the truth is, I can't know. And that's, and, and more's the pity. Because like, as much as I try to analyze or like, like, like legitimately analyze, as in like, you know, break into pieces and make sense of, um, I don't know how much closer I am to understanding another person if I'm mostly using the model of me and the people around me to try and understand why they're the way they are. And I, I would like to think, or I don't like to think, I have to think that that's a big problem with our various disconnects right now is that like, we're always, it's not just the president assuming everybody is like him, except in as much as he's the most special boy in the world. It's also that like, we're trying to always discover why somebody does that nefarious thing based on like what we think their disability is. You know, what is their model for psychosis? And like, uh, that's really hard. Like you really need somebody from outside to do that. And so the problem with the hillbilly elegy guy in some ways, and apart from the fact that I think he's kind of a grifter, is that like you can create something even darker than my basic reckon, which is to give what seems like a very reasonable explanation of something I know I can't understand. So when I, when I read The Nature of Modern Physics or when I read the dancing Wu Lee masters or whatever. When I read some physics for poets book, I don't understand physics. I don't understand quantum mechanics as a result of that. Quantum mechanics is already explained to a lot of people through so many levels of analogy that like, I, I can't approach that kind of math, but I might get that interpretation from a book and go like, Oh yes, that seems very wise. And that reminds me of the Tao Te Ching and all these various kinds of things. And like, am I actually any better than I was a month ago after I've applied my reckon to that? And I think, I think everybody does that. I think everybody on every side is looking for the most nefarious thing that somebody else is doing and then like unintentionally projecting their own pathology on that person to explain how they broke. Yeah, and I think the one thing that we all end up with to, oh, I think most of us end up with to avoid doing what you just described, trying to break it down from a remove and and then worrying about what good that's doing is whatever, is that we all eventually you know, end up with sort of uh, archetypes in our head that we can slot people into once we figured yep. out which one they're Talked about this with to. my shrink. It's basic chunking. Like, what are the things that I need to process and what are the things that I can afford to not process? And, you know, I have like four piles for people and I'm going to know very quickly which mm -hmm. one you go into. And, 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 you know, this is one of those, one of, one of the few benefits of aging. The older you get, the more people you meet and encounter, uh, the more you can recognize a type of person. That's why it's, uh, I've said this before. It always baffles me that anybody would look at Trump and not immediately recognize him because who in our life has not encountered someone like Trump, right? That there's a bucket, there's an archetype just waiting. To, like he's, right. he's a caricature, right? He, he so fits into that archetype. He's, and then, he's very, he's very much for me. Like, like from day one has been like a, a dumb bully character, like in, in the, in the sorting hat. And and then like and to have to have people who either don't have that bucket ready made for him to dump into or have that bucket but it's labeled hero, is baffling. Well, exactly right? because like uh, from my point of view, he's the guy in eighth grade that made me want to take a different route, in, you know, down mm -hmm. down a different hallway. For somebody else he, who also maybe was bullied, let's be honest, they see him as the savior, and 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 
he's speaking for us. And, you know, to the, the, the phrase I hate more than almost anything, the exception that proves the rule. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's a billionaire. Yes, he's a fake billionaire. Yes, like whatever it is, you look at him and you go like, I see myself in what he is doing. And I, more than anything else, I believe that he is trying to protect the things that I perceive to have been taken away from me. Whether that was by my dad or whether that was by this, this particular economy or whatever that was. Like I see in him, says this person over here, I see in him something that's very indelible and important to me. And so I'm going to bring my long gun to the mall because like I am protecting something much more important than this person that you call mean Cheeto man. Talk about I am protecting. <laughs> well, fear driven or like, I don't think they perceive it that way. I think oh, they, no, of, course, of course they don't, but like that's, right, that's right, the right. whole, you know, like nine 11 was the, the great example of that. Like the most fear inducing event in American history and just watch how that ripple through the population. What is your reaction to fear? Right. But yeah, I, I think I think there's the archetype and the buckets and the chunking. People are <laughs> multifaceted and there are mul and there are different buckets and different archetypes in our head. And so even though Trump fits into one particular bucket in most of our minds, there's like seven other buckets you can go into. And if you have an authoritarian bent, he fits into one of those buckets. If you're if you're currently very afraid of something, he like you said, he fits into one of those buckets as a protector of the thing that you're afraid of or as a way or as you know, when I like to, to give an example, nine eleven, right? 11 happened some people you know everyone's got some amount of fear it's a very fear inducing event right mm -hmm. the way a lot of people dealt with that fear was sort of uh reflexive over the top patriotism because strongly mm -hmm. expressed love of country you, and you, like you 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 start with fear you find a stick and then you just locate the nearest pinata that makes you mad uh, and, and not even not even like the revenge motive i think just like the sort of self-soothing comfort is in like i i am afraid i cannot face or acknowledge that that fear because of toxic masculinity and gender roles and all this is men I'm talking about clearly. Um, of course. I, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't face it. I can't face any of that. I can't process it. I'm not conscious of it, but I do know that when I get a slightly larger flag, American flag for the front of my house, I feel a little bit better. And then hmm. I just chase that dragon for the next several decades of reflexive, uh, deification of authority figures, police, firefighters, patriotism, rah, rah, USA, you know, right. since time immemorial, that has been a way for uh, you know all of which are ciphers for the for the the father that none of the Trumps ever had. Like you, you're so closely identified, like at least from my POV as a as a kid with a dead father, is like <laughs> is like you know all of this, all of this, these fucking hard, all of these hard ons for authority and the generals in a lot of ways come down to like the aspirational father you wish you had, the person who's going to protect you and accept you. The person's going to love you and make sure you're okay. The soothing of the fear that you feel when you do that. And it's not a conscious thing and it's not an intellectual thing and it's not a rational thing. It is just a merely sort of uh, instinctive self-soothing that is that works and reinforces itself. And that can be, <laughs> let's be honest, be leveraged by people who are aware of this mechanism to make you do all sorts of things. And go and, and not just put, putting, saying, oh, it's just right-wing people. Every, we were all afraid of 9-11 and we all found our ways to deal with that. But I feel like it's such a, you know, that's, that's why all of the, you know, the, the people who wrote about it or anybody who thought about it for 10 minutes would say, okay, well, you know, the terrorists have won. If we parlay that fear into doing bad things, then we proceeded to parlay that fear into doing bad things. And it doesn't matter that a bunch of people could intellectually understand that. What matters is that everyone else had to 
self-soothed in this particular way because of who they are and the society they're in and so on and so forth. Yeah. So I, you know, that's, those are the easier angles on Trump. Again, have you never seen an authoritarian? Have you never seen a wannabe authoritarian? Right. I mean, like, I don't know how much more yeah, clear he yeah. has to be. Does he have to have trading cards of King Jong-un? <laughs> like, say, like, oh, this is my favorite. This is rookie card. Like he loves them. And yeah, anyway, I don't, we, we no, don't need to that's talk just about it. Yet, yet another illusion. I, I made a crack about this today on, on the internet where like, you know, there's all these people on necktie Twitter that are like, oh, you know, don't provoke all of Trump supporters. Like, are you not a student of understanding what happens when an authoritarian regime falls? And it's all these people who, like, I think are are are, are probably in, in ways they may or may not understand. They're trying to be helpful. They're trying to say, hey, look, don't go, like, poke the dragon like that guy with the long gun shooting videos in his Oakleys in his car. Like, he might just come and kill you. And, like, so so don't 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 try to dunk too hard on our big wet boy. And like there's I have such complex feelings about that because first of all like yeah, there's a reason I'm here tonight and I'm at home and I'm not going to be out partying in the streets because that's me abundance of caution, but like it's also like god, how much do you just not understand about how these power differentials? You might as well be telling an abused woman that like she was wearing the wrong skirt. And and like it's it's just really frustrating to me, like when like if if you don't understand bullies, don't give people advice on bullies. You know what I mean? Like if you don't if you've if you've never suffered under that, don't reckon what this is like for other people, and don't put them in a position of being meant to feel uh, second order guilt about how they're trying <laughs> to manage a thing that they don't control. So just so I'm clear here, you're saying that there are psychopaths out there that will kill me for no reason but i can assuage them by not being mad that their 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 mm -hmm. candidate lost and it's like 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 really walk through that and i don't know if people are just being sweaty for the hearts but like don't do that like let's let's not do that let's 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 not keep like trying to jam our own template on top of everybody else's stuff and tell them how to feel like you're not helping and you may be hurting in a way you're not even aware of and that's, that's, I feel like, a, something that's inherent in the sort of, I don't know what you call it. I, I, I always go to neurotic, because it's the word I used to use when I was a kid about that's this. That's a great but like, word. It's a wonderful, it's a very, like, Woody Allen, uh, yeah. Long Island kind of word. Like, self-aware, self-analyzing, right? It's got implied, right? implied and, Judaism, let's yeah, be honest. And, and it gets to the, you know, the shape of time boulders thing. The people who are saying, uh, be careful of antagonizing the people with the long gun, that's just the next boulder in their in their line that they see, because they they cleared one, and, the, and they looked down the line, and the next thing they saw was a... Uh, not so Trump supporter with a gun, and then then they're out there thinking about, oh, this is another bad thing that could happen. To, to your point, things that haven't actually happened yet, but could happen, and I need to tell everybody because this is the next thing that I'm fearful and anxious about. And that's, I mean, that process of self awareness and looking at the future about things that might happen is an asset. Uh, but you know, everything, everything in moderation, and sometimes you have to look at something that might happen and think about whether. That should be the top of your stack. And even if so, <laughs> what the best thing to do about it is, uh, you know, and so like if you're if you're out there telling everybody not to poke the bear, if it's a literal bear, that's probably the right call. But it, as, as you said, it's actually just a bully and you're saying appease them. That right. didn't work out well for you're, Chamberlain. You're, so. unintentional, you're <laughs> unintentionally, I have to assume, I want to assume you are unintentionally carrying water for the bully. Which yeah. is when you when you say like basically, hey, look, nobody likes that bully, least of all me. But let me give you fifteen hot life hacks for surviving a bully. And and <laughs> different and routes to school. 
different routes. You can use MapQuest to find where your bully mm-hmm. isn't. But, you know, and I, I don't, I don't want to dwell on that. But, you know, but um, I don't, I, yeah. Hey, can I, I, I want to go home soon. I have a suggestion. Um, so here's what I wrote down here. Election results. I still can't believe it. Uh, I don't know if we have time for this. I want to talk about how as I grow older, I experience less of personal joy and more of other people's joy. And that's been a great day for that. And I also wanted to talk about, I don't know, uh, what could change? What could get better? And like what some of these precedents mean. Does any of that appeal to you? It does. But as you say, we're running long today. I think you should put that in the notes so we remember all those things. Take them off your index cards and put them in this little document here. And we can talk about them the next time. There's a, there's, a, there's a doc? Yeah. Oh, actually, here's here's a good capper. So this is a, norm, a normal episode. We do have to plan what we're going to do for our extended episode yep, yep, next yep, yep, episode. Yep, yep. But setting that aside, I just wanted to come back to one thing, and then I think we can end our ordinary time portion of this week's show. <laughs> um, and okay. I know this is, seems totally tangential. I'm trying to end on a, a more frivolous note. Oh, um, good, good, good. The thing, we might have talked about this before, but it, it always bothers me, and I feel like it needs to be said publicly in a podcast so that the world can know. Uh, the thing where one person cuts and one person chooses. Have we discussed that before? I don't think so. I mean, I'm I'm aware of that from my childhood in similar scenarios, whether it be a cookie or a cake. And you've got kids who are cranky the, about the notion. The notion being that if mom cuts the cake or dad cuts the cake or whomever, and you get one piece of cake left, you cut it in half. There's going to be endless bickering based on the idea that's because children have an innate sense of justice. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, uh, you know, uh, as we learned from Grass Valley, Greg, the goats are the only animal with an innate. Same here. That's why they're called nature's president. <laughs> um, the idea is uh, that when there's one piece of anything, one person does the slicing, other person does the choosing. And that is meant to be a thing that keeps it fair. Now, what, what's your note on that? So I remember that as a kid. And I remember thinking as a kid, first thought is, oh, that's a clever system because both people are motivated to act in their own self-interest, but they're countervailing forces. So the cutting person is highly motivated to cut mm. pieces that are exactly the same size because they know they're not the one who's going to get to choose. So if they are 100% successful and make literally identically sized pieces, it doesn't matter what the next person does. And yep. everyone gets exactly equal pieces. That was my, you know, the first millisecond thought. The second millisecond thought is this system is terrible because the chooser is obviously the power position because nobody can cut something perfectly in half and then the chooser has 100% of the power to go ahead and choose what is inevitably the bigger piece because right. there's no way to cut it so they're actually even. So you're saying you try to game it so you're always the chooser, not the cutter? Who would ever want to be the cutter? The cho- this, is mm-hmm. a, this is a parenting game that only makes sense to kids who don't think about it for more than two seconds, which is the well, cutter God. job If they stinks. thought about things, we'd be, you know, we, we would be in Dutch pretty quickly. Yeah. You always want to be the chooser because there's no way to okay. cut them in half so they're actually even worst case scenario say they're actually mm. even then you still like you don't you don't get lost you will never get the smaller piece as the chooser unless you're really bad at assessing <laughs> size with your eyeballs i see all right all right oh interesting i now, thought of if that you, if you have a 3d solid and you are the cutter and you can cleverly cut such that it's an optical <laughs> illusion that one piece appears bigger let's say let's say uh, like a like a dodecahedron Right. Like if you cut it, like like you make it like an optical illusion where this one looks bigger, but I know for a fact that volume wise, this one is oh, bigger. You can, classic misdirection. You can, yeah. you can grab back some power as the cutter, but in general, in the simple case, you always want to be the chooser. So kids out there, if anyone says you cut, you, I cut, you choose, 
take it because you want to be the chooser. Mm -hmm. Not the thing from macOS. That wasn't great. Mm -hmm. 